Hey, this is James Cratch, Giants beat writer for the Star Ledger and NJ.com, and you are listening to JK, but seriously, real football injury talk. Philly cheesesteaks are smathered all over the streets of Philadelphia. You got stray dogs running about. You got eagles flying. You got, uh, what else we got? What other weird Philly things are there? The Philly fanatic is like dancing in the streets, doing cartwheels, because the Eagles won the Super Bowl, Josh. Liberty Bell? Are they ringing the Liberty Bell? Oh, they are ringing the Liberty Bell. Uh, the Philly fanatic is probably swinging from the Liberty Bell, riding like a, a cowboy or a bull. Welcome back to the Heads and Tails <laughs> podcast injury report. This is the final injury report of the, the 2017-2018 season. Josh and I have put a lot of time and effort into examining the many injuries and illegal hits and fines uh, that have come about throughout the league uh, this season, all in an effort to make the sport of football safer and to improve the longevity of the uh, athletes uh, who play it, because we are both big fans of the sport itself. So Josh, this is a nice little way to end it, I think. Uh, yeah. This should be a relatively quick one, but we always say that and it's never quick, just because we like chit-chatting, you know? <laughs> Uh, so I think today we're going to start off by just going through some of the injuries that uh, went on. There weren't too many, thankfully, uh, throughout this game. And I'm sure everyone listening to this has seen the game, which is different than most of the games we've talked about this year. So I think the first major one that, that came about was uh, the concussion on Brandon Cooks, who is the New England wide receiver. Um, he was pretty much knocked out cold. Yeah. First, I thought it was interesting that they declared him out with a head injury and not a concussion. They said that during the game, which, I mean, I don't know what the difference is um, or why. It's like a nicer way to say it. I mean, I guess, but oh, whatever. It it was meaningless because he was out for the rest of the game. But um, what did you think about about the hit? Because I feel like this is one of those ones that you constantly say um, – this is like a player protecting player type of thing. Like these are the ones that it isn't a penalty because he was a runner, um, but the players themselves can take out of the game if they want to. Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly kind of my thought process. Do I think it was an illegal hit? No. Do I think it was an unfortunate uh, set of events? Yes. But to me, like it's it, that was within the rules, but he's almost a defenseless player in that position and do I think that the the defender could have had a huge hit and just hit him a foot lower and not have hit him in the head yeah do I am I positive that if he had done that would it have not resulted in a, in a concussion either I can't definitively say that because a lot of times in those positions that almost like the whiplash effect of getting hit yeah. in the chest like could cause him to have a concussion too and so I'm not saying if you look at the replay I think that's like he didn't, he doesn't really hit him in the head, and but he like completely gets whipped, whiplashed, and I think that's what the whiplash is, is pretty is, much is, what did him. He, he did him. get there. There was some helmet contact, but in my opinion, like had he been a foot lower, like it's, I can't say the whiplash would have been the same. Yeah, it would have been the same. Um, so here's uh, just a couple of thoughts on the on the hit from my my perspective. One is you know the old football rule, don't run back towards the line of scrimmage in the middle of the field. You don't run don't back don't run backwards in the middle of the field. You know what I mean? So and as soon as he turned around, 
he kind of it looked to me like he knew he was in a vulnerable spot and he was like almost looking around he knew someone was coming because yeah. like like i said when you start working your way back towards where all the defense is coming from you're asking for you're it you're asking and you know how fast they're coming so in my opinion it looked like he was he was almost looking over the wrong shoulder you know what i mean so cuz he's kind of looking back towards the middle over his right shoulder and jenkins came from over his left shoulder um it's like trying to make too much happen yeah so like it just seemed like he knew something was coming. So he's almost, he didn't ease up, but he was like almost, he knew he was going to get hit. Um, so that was one thing. The second part of it, this is, is one, like you said, he was a runner. So it wasn't, I don't think it was extremely dirty. Um, I think a whiplash effect was the most of the, where most of the damage was called. But also, so one of the things is when we say like the, the players have to protect the players and all this stuff, and they have to look out for, the, out for each other. So how much of this just becomes re- reactionary from the player's standpoint? You know, you, you know what I mean? So it's like in order for them to – these this generation of players, these players that have played for so long, in order for them to um, change kind of their the style of how they hit or their the location of where they're hitting, they have to physically think about – Think about it in order to do it. You know what I mean? So in this case, like Jen- Malcolm Jenkins would have had to be like, okay, I'm f- trying to hit him here this way, thinking about it instead of just uh, – like my point is maybe next the next generation of players – Will think about it. Will have thought about it early enough in their football career that the reactionary play isn't maybe as dangerous. You, you know what I mean? Right, their reaction will be to go a foot lower, yes, not to go for yes, the head. Cause because I, I just feel like it's hard for – us or anybody to say okay he needs to aim lower on this kind of hit because really all he's doing is he's running towards the play and his reaction is to hit him he stood upright led with his arm and his shoulder and pushed out you know what I mean so it's it's I understand your point when you say the players have to protect themselves and the players have to look out for the other players but this I feel like in this situation where it's not a defenseless receiver one he's just reacting to making a hit and making a play and and they they do what they've done their whole career, and it's really hard for them to like for for Malcolm Jenkins to approach him and think about where he wants to make a hit. He's just going and hitting because that's his reactionary play as a defender. But hopefully, the next generation will have enough of a base where their reaction is a different is a type safer of reaction. Hit. Yeah. yeah. So, I think what I thought of when you were saying that is. Like, imagine if that game was played, like, no one in the stands, no one watching on TV. How would that play have gone down? I think it's the same. I'm not, I mean, it could be, but I'm also not sure because by hitting high, you know the reaction you're going to get. You know the guy is not going to see it. You know it's going to be a big hit. Like, you're almost like licking your chops. It's like a, it's yeah, a, it's like a free shot. Yes, he's very vulnerable. But in football – I mean, these this generation of when has this generation of guys been put in that situation where they have a free shot and not taking it? Yeah, I agree. You know what I mean? Yeah. So maybe maybe next gen maybe the next generation of football players doesn't take the free shot when it's given to them the same way that this group of does. And I just I I don't know if we'll see it change like like a lot of things. I don't think we'll see it change overnight. But I don't blame Malcolm Jenkins for it. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point, Josh. And I think. Did we talk about this? I saw this article in doing some of our research for maybe a previous episode we did, but I saw somewhere that this is like the last Super Bowl that the players playing it were 
not aware of the effects of concussions or something. Okay. Um, did we talk about that? Mm-hmm. No? I, I must have saw that and didn't do anything with it. But I think the education is starting to catch up with itself. So I think you're right in yeah. the fact that, like, the kids that are coming up in five, ten years, like, their reaction might be the safe reaction because they've been penalized yeah. for it. Safer. All yeah, it might yeah. be a safer reaction. Yeah, and I was talking to Dustin Fink, the founder of the Concussion Blog, uh, for an episode t- earlier this morning. And that's kind of what he said. Like, football is not a safe sport. Yeah. And he was saying, like, you know, had – like if the NFL just came out and said like, this is a dangerous sport. Like this is just, they just like owned up to it and didn't try to like sugarcoat it and be like, which they do with a lot of things out with a head injury, not out with a concussion type of thing. Then I think that a lot of people would have more respect for him and viewership would be up, but because they kind of skirt around the issue, that's kind of their problem. So I think that they can't appease both sides. Yeah. I just, and Malcolm Jenkins is is a veteran guy. He's been around a while. So, I mean, he's part of that. I don't know. He's part of the older generation of, of, of guys in the league. So, I mean, kind of like you said, it's, it's, I, I I hate saying, Oh, it was a football play, but it's football. That play will happen. Yeah. It's unfortunate, but guys are going to get hurt. But like, like, like you said, if the NFL comes up, they don't want to embrace that type of hit like they used to and like put it all over ads and publicize it and glorify it. But at the same time, they need to like say that this is, this, this, this happens. Yeah. You know? Uh, I, I, overall, I don't think that hit was dirty. No, I think, you know, it could have been different maybe, but I don't even know if the result would have been different. So, uh, what kind of game impact do you think that injury had on the, the Patriots? It definitely hurt. I mean, he was, he's, I mean, not that the Patriots really had any problem on offense um, the rest of the game. They still did whatever they wanted to. I mean, the Eagles stopped them one time, and it was at the end of the game, and they got a fumble. Um, but other than that, the Patriots did whatever they wanted to. So, uh, yeah, I can't say it didn't have an impact. He's probably their best wide receiver and their biggest deep threat. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it's not like – They're he, still scoring. Yeah, it's not like they stopped scoring when he got hurt, and he got hurt early, early too. All right. Uh, next injury is another concussion to – um, a Patriots player. We got a concussion of Patrick Chung, uh, who is a New England Patriots safety. Yeah, so he – this was – to me, it looked to me like it was this was a friendly fire one. He went to make a tackle on Jai, and he dove in, lifted his head, and hit his teammate's helmet, so his helmet to helmet. And you could see that Ajay was over him and, like, Give, like, like the sleep sign, not as like a taunting, but like a help trainer. This, guy, yeah. this he's like he's out. Trainers need to come over here. So, I mean, I, it, obviously, if he was, they never really showed that replay. They showed the replay, but they didn't show his reaction to the hit. Um, and then he came back the next drive, and I guess yeah, I think they blue tented him. He yeah. So he, I, I get, I don't remember what I. Uh, how that drive ended for the Eagles but the next drive he came back in the game um, and then he got I guess he got hit again he got shooken up again on a play and then which was the last drive of the game and on that drive when he came off uh, that was a drive that Ertz scored the touchdown um, and after that Ertz touchdown they ruled him out for the game with a concussion so I mean it's one of those ones where okay I think he was clearly out when he got hit the first time um but he probably – but once you come – three seconds later, once you come back to it, you seem like you're fine. You go to the tent. You pass everything. They you're let in you, the Super Bowl. Yeah, <laughs> they let you come back in the game. And then – well, we've seen this all year. And then after 15 minutes and a drive, now you show – now you start showing more signs of – Something's wrong. Something's yeah. wrong. And then they take you out. So, 
like I, we still haven't figured out the perfect. Well, was it him that, that made like a really nice open field tackle later in the game? I think so. Yeah, he like I think a guy tried to run him over or something. Or oh, it was on uh, that. It was the third down play that the Eagles ran that misdirection where they brought the uh, wide receiver in like the fake end around. Yeah, and then. So when he got back towards the quarterback, it was Aguilar, and he stopped and tried to throw like a little swing pass, and uh, and he was and Chunks was right there. He made and, a great, yeah, yeah. He like stayed at home. He made like a great open field tackle, even after that. So it's like, yeah. it's, that's the crazy thing about concussions is like sometimes they're like debilitating to the point where like you can't be yourself, and other times like you could still make plays yeah. and like. But then you but then you get hit again on maybe something that would more, yeah exactly you're more vulnerable yeah. So, uh, do you think that had any bit of any bit of a game impact? It just from the do the fact that he came back in. I don't think so because he played that whole he played the next drive and the touchdown drive. So the only drive he didn't play was the three runs they had before they kicked the field goal. Huh. So, uh, all right. So another concussion related, I guess topic for this Super Bowl was Gronkowski. We talked a lot about this last week and he he had a freaking hell of a game yesterday. Yeah. It's just it's it's amazing watching him for and as frustrating as being a fan of another team when he's playing, he's just so big that you physically there's not very much you can do. It doesn't there's no one big enough on defense and fast enough to match up with him. He just he's just such a tremendous mismatch and just like visually it's, uh, it's so funny to watch these six foot corners try to cover him. It's ridiculous, but yeah. So he had a hell of a freaking game. And after the game and the press conference, there was kind of some rumors going around that he might retire. He wasn't saying he wouldn't retire after this season. Yes. Um, yeah. He kept saying, "I'm gonna like assess his sit back, talk to people." Yeah, because like, he talk, had two concussions this season. It's not as these weren't his first concussions either. No, he, he, he has had, a history. He had a concussion problem in college. Okay. He had a concussion history, history in college. Um, but, we, I mean, we know about the arm and the elbow thing, and he's had rib problems and leg problems. So, I mean, he's had a ton of injuries. And, he, he I mean, he's mentioned it before about how he doesn't appreciate how he tries, how people try to tackle him. But, I mean, we've talked about that too. Um, the biggest – the thing to me – and we've heard we've heard guys especially guys in football and guys in all sports that are immediately following either a traumatic injury or a traumatic loss say stuff about retiring or uh, evaluating you know what I mean last last year when uh, Earl Thomas broke his leg he came out right after the game and was like I need to think about like my future in football and all this stuff um that was he tweeted that out an hour after he got hurt and broke his leg and was out for the year. Obviously, he played this year. He's like he's their best player. Once you feel safety. better, you're like, eh, maybe yeah. I'll play again. <laughs> Roethlisberger last year, after they lost in the playoffs, came out and said, oh, I don't know if I'm going to come back, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And now he played this year and was great. And then after this year, he said he's going to play. He's like, I'm playing I'm for good. A while. Yeah. yeah. Playing for a while. So um, he's a lot of drama. But he, we've seen that before. You know what I mean? Um, but most of the times, the players bring it up themselves. You know what I mean? Um, they're the ones that kind of say it so people put people hear it. The, the thing that just struck me about this was Gronk was going through his normal post game where they're asking questions about the game, they're asking questions and all this stuff, and the one guy asked the question about retirement, and it, like, kind of surprised him. And he, he, he said, where did, like, I don't know how you heard that. 
like he was talking about it to someone. Yes, like he, like he was. It's not completely made up. It is true that he was talking about it with someone, but he was surprised that he was getting asked about it. So I mean, and I mean Gronk, he, he's so simple that I truly believe him. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Ben is so complex and and, and complicated. Thinks that, things through. Yeah, and he's. Like he, everything he does is like calculated. Ca- calculated. Yeah. Whereas Gronk is, you ask him a question, he gives you the best answer he yeah. can. Without you get thinking. what you're seeing with that yeah. guy. So when they ask him, oh, "Are you going to play next year? Are you considering retirement?" and he says, "I don't know where you heard that from, um, or I don't know how you heard that," um, it makes me think that he was talking about it with somebody. But I mean, in a guy in his situation, I mean, his contract's not huge he's a tight end he'll never be paid like a quarterback um and we just talked about all his in, in injury history i mean he's probably the most um i wouldn't say vulnerable because he's so big and physical but i mean that position he plays where do where are 85 percent of the catches that he makes across the middle across the middle and he's so big that he has so much uh room to hit and he's the, the guys that are tackling him are so much smaller the majority of the time they're going for his legs you know, and 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 when he's going over the middle, he's vulnerable from from a head standpoint. He's not a a wide receiver on the outside that can protect himself. Whereas, like you see Antonio Brown, like he 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 makes catches and he's Turtle out of bounds. He's down. He's down. Yeah. Uh, that's what the Ram, old Rams wide receivers used to do. Gronk doesn't have that ability. One, that's not in his nature to do. That's and it's not also his style. like falling like a ton of bricks. Like you can't fall yeah. gracefully and be that big. Yeah. But in in the position that he's catching it, I mean, he's being double and triple teamed. So you can't you can't catch a ball around a badge. You can't catch a ball and fall down. So I don't know. I still would be shocked if he retired. Um, he's 29 years old, but he has had a ton of injury history. So uh, they were saying in the pregame talks that he changed his lifestyle to like prevent injuries and stuff like this season compared to other seasons like he's sick of getting hurt so he like cut out the drinking during the season started eating better and still got hurt yeah he still so got he hurt. like got frustrated that but that's football it's not like but like tom brady can do that and he's a quarterback he's the, like the amount of risk that he has is so much greater and a quarterback like we've talked about all year that stays in the pocket if you're getting hurt it's going to be a fluky injury like how he tore his acl the first time where you just get you get rolled up on or you get the guy crawling into your legs and you get caught in a pile like gronk can't yeah okay he can stop drinking and eat better but at the end of the day the injuries that he's getting he's not going to be able to protect against Right by eating better, you know, like he's never had it's it's his. Yeah, they're like collision injuries. Yes, it's not like yeah. His issues has never been oh he's having hammy problems and muscle pro- soft tissue problems. It, that's never been his injuries. His injuries have been broken ribs, broken yeah, like legs, broken like arms, car and, crash, and, and injuries. Yeah, yeah. So uh, okay, another guy who we're not sure if he really got hurt or not. Maybe it was like a lingering thing. Is uh, Devin McCourty, Rutgers guy. Always got to say that. Uh, New England safety. Uh, it was tweeted that after the game he had a was limping, yeah. noticeably limping with Big a ice. possible knee injury. Yeah, so I'm sure this is just one of those. And at at this point in the mean, season, yeah, everybody's banged up to some extent. I mean, it's just one of those ones that I'm sure he's been dealing with and wasn't on the injury report all year, and it just it just banged up. But and then another late addition to the injury report, and really a surprise. Uh, to most people is uh, Malcolm Butler, the New England quarterback, was out of the game with a supposed illness. Um, 
Yeah, so I guess they said he was sick in the during the middle of the week. I don't know what this was about. Um, I think this had the biggest game impact of anything, obviously. Um, so he was there starting one of their starting corners, and he didn't. He played special teams, and that was it. He didn't play one defensive snap, um, and it wasn't. It was, I guess, from all reports that it was told to him pregame that he wasn't going to play on defense, and it was a coach's decision. Um, it just, it stinks of something that we might not never know or there might not never tell us um, if he doesn't tell us himself. But because um, after he didn't play the first drive, then the broadcast people, NBC, actually did a really good job finding this. He was crying during the national anthem, like crying a lot, like more than you would cry for the national anthem just because you're choked you're up. in the Super Bowl and choked up for the national anthem. Like, um, not so, just, yeah, not choked up tears, like, like upset uh, tears. Yeah, like I'm not playing in the Super Bowl. Um, and I, this isn't like – they haven't haven't done this before. Like they've they've had he's had all year contract issues with them, um, where he wanted last off season he wanted a contract extension, wanted a big contract, and they basically said no. They were going to trade him for Brandon Cooks to the Saints, and then that fell through, and they got Cooks anyway, and they kept him. Um, he wanted to get paid. They didn't pay him. I mean, the one conspiracy theory was this is about driving his free agency price down somehow, which seems really out of left field um but it over the last three i read this stat on twitter that over the last three seasons he's played like 97.8 percent of their snaps on defense that's was, crazy it was like for 30, anyone it was like over 3200 snaps he's been on the field for out of 3500 um so over 98 percent of snaps and he plays zero he plays zero defensive plays in a game where their defense couldn't get off the field and they couldn't get off the field because they couldn't stop they're passing offense. Like not even just like spell someone. Yeah, no, they were they played everybody else. Um, and I, they asked Belichick about it at halftime, and he said it was coach's decision. They asked him about it at the game. They said coach's decision. Um, for him not to start as a coach's decision is one thing, but if it's truly a coach's strategical decision, he goes in after he's not after what their coach's decision was isn't working. <laughs> yeah, Alshon Jeffrey. Like- yeah. So it there there a hundred percent is something else going on there. I don't know what it is. I don't know if we'll ever know what it is. I'm sure people are going to try to find out, but I just I'm curious what happens at the in the off season. Uh, there's no way he can go back there. Yeah, no way. something happened. Yeah, yeah. whether it, whether it was contract related, whether it was practice related, whether it was behavioral related. I don't know. It's just it was it, the most interesting to me thing to me was it seemed like so much more of a punishment that they didn't just deactivate him, that they he was in uniform, played special teams, and didn't play on defense. Maybe it was like last resort kind of thing. I guess, but usually if you're, I, I mean, yeah, if they get three guys hurt, maybe then they'll put him out on put him out there. But um, usually, if it's disciplinary, like they just deactivate the guy. You just you're in street clothes. You're not playing. Um, but this, they didn't do that either. It was, it was really, that was a weird, a really weird thing that I don't know, maybe we'll get followed up on, but I don't know if we'll ever know either. Maybe it won't. All right. Then we'll, we'll move on to some, that's pretty much it for the injuries. Uh, so let's move on to just some thoughts on the game. And I was just blown away by the amount of passing in the game. And there was uh, uh, 1,150 yards of total offense between the two teams, 538 for Philadelphia, 613 for New England. And to me, like, it was just a fun game to watch. Like, there was a ton of scoring. It was back and forth. Like, it, but I also kind of had the thought of, like, 
you know, we were, we're not talking about a ton of injuries here. We're talking about some, like, an unfortunate incident with a concussion yeah. and stuff like that. To me, I feel like if football trends in that in this direction, that it could be a safer game. And there's there only one player in the entire game, uh, LeGarrette Blount, who exceeded nine rushing attempts. Um, and all the other attempts were just divvied out between a few different uh, running backs. And to me, you're – you know that's that's less hits that these guys are taking, and it's better for career longevity. And obviously, it works for these two teams who who use this approach to their offense. So you know if if it works for them and it's got them to the Super Bowl, like you know maybe other teams will be like, hey, like this is, system is working for them. And uh, I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that. A couple of things. Obviously, it's a copycat league, and we've said we talked about this briefly before we started the podcast. But I mean, every three to four years in the NFL, the new fad of offense comes along and comes out in the playoffs and looks unstoppable. And everyone's like, this is the new way you play football. And then it doesn't work always, you know, and then it yeah, seems after, out how to after a while, it. it seems how, um, and also at the same time is for as much as teams want to try to copycat it, you need to have the right roster construction to do it. You know, I mean, you can try to get three running backs that have different styles and you think can, pl- can all play. But then if one gets hurt or um, if one just doesn't produce like you wanted to, it doesn't like you need all these guys to be good. Um, I mean, a guy is a pro bowl running back. Blunt is a probably the best short yardage back, one of the best short yardage backs, physical running backs in the in the league. And this undrafted guy out of Wisconsin is was is a tre- tremendous third down pass catcher. So, I mean, it worked for them, but um, it might not work for everybody else. I mean, they can try, and I'm sure they will. Um, the interesting thing to me about, like, just how the game was structured and the, and the stats is, I mean, Brady threw for the most yards in playoff history, over 500 yards. Um the one stat I saw with the total yards, they were like 75 yards combined short of the most total yards in any game ever, ever in the history of football. Right. Um, but watching the game, it didn't – yeah, they were moving up and down the field, but it didn't seem like that many yards. You know what I mean? It didn't seem like an all-time record. Right. Um, maybe it's because it, it was a well-played game, um, but – and there wasn't for as many for as many yards as they put up. There was, I guess, there wasn't a ninety yard, eighty yard huge play. There were a lot of thirty to forty yard plays, which um, is fun to watch. Yeah, no, I'm not saying it wasn't. Yeah. Um, it just struck me as interesting that they kept they we were talking about all the stats and all the yardage records that were being broken. And I was thinking, I'm like, it doesn't just watching it. It didn't seem like it was that out of the ordinary. I guess like that. Not that it wasn't special, but like that like different from any other game um but i agree with i wouldn't be surprised if that's the way um football tries to trend just from all the rules that's i think that's the way the nfl wants it to trend without mandating it you know what i mean they're just making small little subtle adjustments to try to push everything to be the most that's going to be the most effective offense right and i think that that would be okay, like with the fans. Like if if we got games like that on a consistent basis, like I don't think anyone would be complaining. You know what I mean? I don't think so either. At at, at the end of the day, you still need. Um, it was amazing how well Foles played, um, but you still need a quarterback. If you don't have a quarterback, I mean, you Foles was slinging it, dude. Yeah, no, he was making throws in tight windows, yeah. and he had a lot of confidence. But if you try to run that style of offense with a quarterback who doesn't have the arm to do it or Which doesn't I have say, the confidence dude, to do it. Are you, are you thinking of who I'm thinking of? 
<laughs> no, I'm not. But he wouldn't work either. Dude, you're freaking hating on my boy Tebow always. <laughs> but if you but if you think about it, like half every year, half sixteen teams have quarterbacks that are just dog poo. You know, so you can have this style of offense. If you have a bad quarterback, it ain't gonna work, and it's gonna fail a lot worse than running the ball and trying to shorten like, the game is. Yeah, you know no, what I mean? No yards. Not, not, <laughs> not only, record-breaking You're going to turn the ball over and you're going to lose by 30 instead of, like, what do you – like, when you have a bad quarterback, what do you do? You try to protect him, you run the ball. Dump it off. Yeah, you play defense and you try to shorten the game. I mean, this style of offense is make the game longer, and more stoppages, more incompletions, uh, more plays, more yards. If you have a quarterback that can't do it, I mean, yeah, everyone's going to – think they have a quarterback that can but when they can't then you got to do something else so but the to your point is it is maybe it is, i'm sure it's gonna be the future but you just have to find someone that can do it right and what you're saying is that that's easier said than done yes okay so what else we got a couple plays. The Foles touchdown was, was was sweet. That was one of the cooler calls we've seen. Fourth down. Um, and so when when you play the Patriots, you gotta whip it out. Yeah, yeah. You Mason, have to. going for, yeah, going for it on fourth down. Like that's like because oh. I think a lot of teams would have kicked a field goal there and gone up six. And I think a lot of teams would have when they had fourth and six at their own forty with six minutes left in the game. I think a lot of teams would have punted there. But they knew. But they knew if they gave the ball back to Brady, they wouldn't. They probably wouldn't get the ball back. Yeah, which was probably right. So you know what? You know, eff it. All right, let's just go for it. If we don't get it, we don't get it. Um, but the but the touchdown, uh, the tight end pass, the Foles was a uh, was a pretty sweet play. So. All right, and then we got the couple, Clement touchdown. A couple yeah. of controversial calls, catch reviews. I thought both of them were correctly review just on based on how they were called on the field um the Corey Clement touchdown uh if they call it incomplete on the field I think they would have called it incomplete after review but since they called it a catch I think they had to keep it it was just I mean once you when you slow it down that much and you still can't be 100% sure you can't re- reverse yeah, it yeah you, you can't reverse it and the Ertz touchdown, I think they called right also. Um, I thought that was the right call from the get-go. Yes. I had no question that should have been a yeah, touchdown. But, very, but it's amazing, and this is the problem with, with, with the catch rule, where that is a touchdown, and it, and it was reviewed and correctly called a touchdown. But if he's two yards closer to the end zone, catches it the same way, takes one step and dives in, Not a they probably would have called it incomplete because it hit the ground and popped up, so he didn't complete the catch. But, but the thing is – But he, but that shouldn't uh, – yeah, but, like, that shouldn't be a rule. No, regardless of what he did in that play, it had – it like, that has to be a touchdown. Right. You know what I mean? To but, me, I just don't feel like the ground should be able to, like, cause, uh, like, a incomplete pass. If you, like – yeah, yeah. Now I the ground, ground ground can't cause a fumble, and if that's in the middle of the field, he's down by contact. But if it's it's just uh, if he catches that and immediately jumps in like Jesse James does, that they're gonna they're gonna call that incomplete. Where he should that should be a touchdown, even if it was similar to the Jesse James play. I think the rule should be that that's a touchdown because he has control of it when it hits the ground, and he has control of it after it hits the ground. Right, and they never loses control of it. So why, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think it's like overcomplicated the the but, rule. But I'm glad that it was ruled the way that it was, just because of how like it would have been a, obviously it would have been a. 
I mean, he like clearly, as soon as he caught the ball, he put his hand, he put the ball in his hands in a way that he knew he was diving. Yeah, Yeah, but but it was the amount of steps he took that established him as a runner. Yes. Uh, Also, remind me if I remember this correctly. At some point in the game, he Ertz had a catch across the middle where he had to jump, and I believe he got tackled. He was like technically a defenseless receiver. But he got tackled like cleanly. I think that might have been the fourth down play. Yeah, I think so. I forget. Yeah, I think actually no. I think you're right. And I just thought that was an example of a guy who's jumping, who's bigger than the. I mean, it's still a tight end. He's yeah. not Gronk, he but he's gave still. Himself up. Yeah, he's still a defensive player, and he went exactly where I think you could hit Gronk and still get him down. Yeah, you know. So like, I just thought that was an example of a player deciding how he was going to tackle in a safe manner and not hurt anyone. Uh, Also, there's an interesting play, that attempted hurdle play. I just wanted to point that out. All over Twitter because it was kind of funny looking. Yeah. Uh, But to me, I thought that was an example of like when you see what you hit, you can make those kind of tackles. Like the reason why hurdles work for running backs or receivers is because they're banking on the, the cornerback lowering his head and not looking at him yeah well i mean and this was yeah i like so this was brandon cooks before he left the game to get hurt i mean for the most of the time you see the hurdles that are successful are the big running backs and the bigger tight ends that are still like kind of shifty because what do they what do they always say in football low man wins so i mean when like and you you, the person you see do it a lot is legarrett blunt he hurdles a ton because he's so big. And he does run people over. And you have to get so low to tackle him, and he runs people over that, I mean, the defender thinks, uh, shit, I might get run over here. i got to get lower than him. And they go low, and LeGarrette Blount jumps over top of him. <laughs> yeah. Like, Brandon Cooks isn't – like, you don't have to worry about getting low on Brandon Cooks because he's not running anybody over. No, that's, so that's a really fact, good point. The yeah. fact that he decided to try to hurdle was interesting to me in the first place. And the, de- the defender has – like, you can stay tall and tackle him because he's, he's small. He's not yeah. a big guy. No, that that is a good point yeah. because, like, had that been, you know, uh, LeGarrette Blunt, you know, and he tried to tackle him the same way, like, he would have got his ass freaking run over. Yeah, yeah. No doubt. Yes. Yeah, yes. that's true. If you stand upright like that on, on Blunt or Le'Veon Bell, like, you're going to the ground. Yeah. Uh, all right, one more point. Uh, after the game, uh, Carson Wentz was – videoed by Sports Illustrated uh, that he was kind of like – you could tell he was emotional and, like, he was not happy. Like, he he wasn't sharing the same joy that his teammates might have been having. But – I think he was, but – It's it's a tough pill to swallow. It was different. Yeah, especially because, yeah, like, different. he knows that he got his team to where they were, you know. Yeah. Like, they wouldn't probably have had that success had it not been for him. Mm-hmm. But it's tough when you do that and you can't kind of, like – yeah, you enjoy just, the it's a, it's reward. The, it's the what could have been, and you can enjoy it. And I'm sure he's really happy for for Nick Foles, but um, it's just like if Foles could have done it, what would have happened if I was playing? You know what I mean? Like how much? But um, I don't think there's a uh, any quarterback controversy going forward. Yeah, that's it's, what it does seem like. It's, it it's, seems like he's still going to be the guy. Yeah, it's it's Wentz's team. I'd be interested to see if they because Foles is still under contract for a year. Um, 
and obviously he can play. He needs to be in the right system, I think, and that that's shown too. But um, I think he's he's obviously he's better than uh, probably ten to twelve quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks in the league. But um, how much is a team willing to give up for him um, to make the Eagles be okay with letting him go? Um, but at the same time, if you're the Eagles, if someone's going to give you a first or second round pick, I think you feel like you kind of got to kind of got to do it. Yeah. Um, but so that'll be interesting to see going forward uh, in the offseason uh, what the Eagles do with Foles or if they just keep them just in case for next year and see what happens. Because obviously yeah. it's not the end of the world if yeah, Wentz but gets hurt. But Carson Wentz is coming off an ACL injury. And like usually guys yeah, can come back and be okay, yeah. but who knows? And, it, and also it happened so late in the year that I don't know if he'll even be ready for week one. I mean, I'm sure he won't be ready for the start of training camp. So, I mean, do you just make sure he's 100% and bring him back week three or week four and let Foles play the first couple weeks now? Exactly. Reverse the roles a little bit. Yeah. Reverse the roles with Foles. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? That's it. All right, Josh. I think that was uh, a job well done for the season. It was cool to see where, where we evolved along the the path or the course of the season. And this just was an idea – that was generated in the grass parking lot at a Rutgers football game. Yeah, it was fun. And it's cool to see, you know, have an idea and see it through. And uh, I just want to make sure everyone keeps their eye out for um, our article that we're going to try to post somewhere, probably the Huffington Post, uh, just with our all of our recommendations to the NFL based off of what we've observed and noticed throughout the course of the season. So thank you for your help and for all of your expert knowledge in the football world and all your research to make these episodes possible. And hopefully you'll want to come back next year and we'll, we'll come back bigger and better than ever. Yeah. Um, we're, we're in this for the long run. Okay, cool. Long, long, long haul. And we can talk about some off season stuff too. So yeah, we'll, we'll Look, be, yeah. Check out for some posts. Cause I'm, there's going to be a lot of, I think, I think especially this year, there's going to be a lot of rule changes and, um, safety specific rule changes for sure um, that are going to come out of this offseason. So. Yeah, so we'll have some impromptu uh, episodes coming up throughout the offseason talking about those various uh, rule changes and whatever else comes up that's relevant to you, the listener. That's it. All right, see you next year.